Hello and welcome everyone to our new year. Happy New Year, Chris. We made Woo-hoo! it. We made it through 2021. Now it's 2022. This is the first Sunday of 2022, January 2nd. Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. Our memory verse is John 1, 46, which says, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. With that, let us open with our prayer for illumination. Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This was an awesome lesson. I just have to say, really, I really enjoyed it, and I think this is a great, great way to begin the new year. This kind of fresh thinking maybe an understanding of where we are and, and what we need to be doing. So what, what did you get out of this introduction? I really like some of Kip's points in this one. So on the introduction, I like the way, of course, we say, I think the new year, it's not a Christian holiday. I mean, the Christian new year was right. a couple of weeks back when Advent started. But anytime that we get reminded that there's an opportunity to start new, that's a Christian message. Every day, God's mercies are new. We have a chance of repentance every day. We have a chance to take things more serious all the time. And so anytime we get a chance to, um, to do that, um, I think that's, that's an important thing to do. Um, so um, that's, you know, that's kind of where I, where I get on that. It's just a new opportunity. Yeah. It's a call for discipleship and it's a call to, to keep going. Yes. New opportunities, new challenges, a new adventure. I think sometimes when we wake up in the morning, we just want to be same old, same old, same old. But then we get to a point where we're like, this is boring and it's routine and it's rote and I want to do something different. And I think understanding that you're a child of God and every day is going to present you with new opportunities and new challenges, but also new adventures. What a great way to think about 2022. It is. What new, also, new adventures do you have yeah, planned new, in your life, you know? I think Kip also brings up too, but at the same time, whenever you start something new, there's some fear. Sure. Right. Because um, sure. I think we said a couple of weeks back, you know, the devil, you know, is better than the one you don't in the sense of yes. there's a comfortability in staying the same. You might yeah. it. Yeah about it like you said but at the same time do you really want to do something different and you yeah see, yeah it's hard to it's hard to do so that's where we're at with the disciples here you know it, uh, it is and I think that's great because you know most of you know that I'm starting a new adventure this week and I'm, I'm really excited about my new adventure there is a little bit of fear because it is something totally different um a lot of interesting opportunities that are already presenting themselves. So I'm excited about that, but a lot of challenges that are going to come along as well. So um, join me this year in, (laughs) in starting something new and fresh each day. I'm excited. I really, I am too. I really am. And I think that's a great intro to what is happening here and what John is writing about with this with the new disciples that and Jesus coming on the scene and all that. So let's jump into our exploring the scripture historical setting. Kip really talks about John the Baptist here 
um, and really gives us a great idea of, of what discipleship looked like um, in this time period, how people would follow the rabbis, the teachers, but it was more than just following them around during the day and going home at night. They, this was like a complete immersion program. You would live with them, you would eat with them, you would learn from them uh, you, as you lived with this teacher. And sometimes the teachers, Kip points out here that sometimes the teachers would pick specific students because of their charisma, their knowledge, um, you know, so really picking those that had some stage presence. And that's kind of an interesting concept um, as far as discipleship is concerned. What did you think about that? Oh, uh, two things. So okay. um, just to fit directly to what you're saying there, it would be uh, religion, rightly or wrongly, has always been a little bit of a show for some people. Yeah. Like, I mean, like the traveling rabbi is way back when there were tricksters. There were people, you know, religion didn't right. start making money this century. Uh, right. It's always been a way in which you can inflame the fears and and inflame your own egos and, and whatnot. It's not new. Now, not uh, certainly John the Baptist wasn't like that. But I think what uh, um, I would bring up here is, as you've mentioned, students would flock to these teachers, these rabbis or whatnot. And then um, the rabbis would choose among, you know, those most devoted. Um, Jesus famously in the book of John later on in some other chapters will tell the disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Uh -huh. but Jesus didn't wait for this whole gathering and then pick from the greatest. He went with the tax collectors and sinners and picked out of those, yeah. that, which I think, demonstrates i think that's john's way of demonstrating that that something is divine about christ and as great as john the baptist is he's still he's still human which you know that's yep. one of the themes there in chapter one absolutely so what i got at this point and i guess to answer your question is it's just the way that the teaching was different they didn't have a public school system where you just sent people for you know kids for eight days i mean right the, the especially for these religious folks it was a fundamentally religious upbringing and you wanted them to go to a rabbi and you wanted them to learn these things and so on and so forth. So it was yeah. still business, you know? Yeah, sure. This, I mean, the whole idea of the discipleship here versus what we kind of look like at discipleship now is very different. And I, and this concept, this, you know, we, we talk about the 12 disciples, and don't recognize because we read it so quickly, verse to verse, and we have this three years of ministry just kind of right here, and we can just run right through it in a very short period of time. That we forget that it was over the course of three years that, like, especially Matthew, Mark went through and everything that happened in Jesus' life. Well, you're not going to get every detail, and you're not going to get every dinner conversation, you're not going to get everything that happened during that three years in those books. So this total lifestyle immersion uh, concept of discipleship and how these 12 guys followed Jesus around for the three years that he was ministering in everything that he did. Yeah. And you, we only get glimpses and the stories that we need, but we forget about all the other periphery that happened, the mealtime conversations, 
the conversations that would have happened as they were walking along the road from town to town to town and discussing the teachings and what that means. So it was truly just a very immersive leadership opportunity for these 12 to be set up so that once Jesus left, they could continue doing exactly what they needed to do. Yeah. So I think in temporary, contemporary terms, number one, Sunday school didn't happen, right? You, you yeah. actually just lived among the people. I, Here's the thing. Yeah. I think what Sunday school was uh, created, what, in the 1800s, something like that in England is where it started. Yeah. Giving people the opportunity to learn to read, really. Um, but we call that strange. How strange would it be, though, if you packed up and left and lived with a group of people, I don't know, in a commune in Texas or something, right? Like, okay. we find it strange because our society's not not grouped that way. Yeah. And and I would say it's unfortunate in one way, but I mean, you know, also you see what happens if you don't have a John the Baptist, but you do have a crazy person who wants to take advantage. Um, yes. I think the closest I could go to, like, so here's the other thing. So, like, you know, Amish folk, there's not a single personality that dominates like an Amish community. I mean, there's leaders and there's structures and all that jazz, but th- these people aren't receiving, you know, special revelation and giving it to the people. But they've withdrawn from society to an extent. I guess it depends on which flair you're at. And they right. live together for yeah. the purpose of becoming better Amish people, you know, like, right. I mean, like, so in contemporary terms, the way I would understand the difference between how we, we do education or should maybe, so you can go to college and you can get like, you know, your bachelor's degree in something. Oh, here you go. So if you're a theologian, um, no, I'm not going to go there, but anyway, you have, you have, you can learn two different ways. You can learn in the classroom and you can get your head knowledge, or you can also have an apprenticeship, all right, and learn something like so. Like the best Christian education is going to be that hybrid between the head and the hands, right? Sure. To where you're sure. learning, but you're also in an apprenticeship program where you're going right. side by side with someone, sharing, experiencing, and learning, putting your head knowledge to practice. That's the goal of a good Christian education program in a church for sure, discipleship program. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that practical application of the skills that you're you're understanding and trying to be taught. Yeah, how do you apply that to your everyday life? Yeah. And I and I think that that's something that we forget because sometimes, not to get too terribly off track, but our discipleship today, we think if you show up for church for forty five minutes for an hour, yeah, and that, and that's not necessarily the case discipleship is a lifelong learning process and And it's an everyday thing it's not it's not just one day a week for 45 minutes right and the other thing is it's just the overall purpose like when these guys went to these rabbis they wanted to become a rabbi yeah or they wanted to become very very spiritual uh our christian education programs and church is really an add-on to our life right and that's a difference too Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that really struck me in in this exploring scripture that I really liked was John himself. We talked about that a little bit last week about how humble John really was and that John recognized that his purpose, his entire purpose was to turn people towards Jesus. And even if he lost his followers, even if he lost all of his students, 
that didn't deter him because it was all about turning people to Christ. It was all about showing um, who the Messiah was. Yeah. And to me, that's just, that just even blows my mind even more when we think about the human concept, because that's not how our society is structured. That's not how our culture is structured that, you know, he who has the biggest group of people wins, you know, sort of thing. And, and that's not at all what John was thinking. John was totally thinking about this is the Messiah. This is the one that we need to follow and, and, uh, and do what, what he's teaching. So I love that. Yeah. Um, this is the last thing I'll say then you've probably known churches or been part of churches where one pastor's been there for how many ever years and he has this great big or she has this great big personality and and people flock to that church because of that personality but when that pastor leaves the church declines and dwindles and and I think we have to be careful to make sure that we're connecting people with that which is greater than us yeah as as a pastor Sunday school teacher yeah I agree. It's not, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing is it's like we talked about last week, you know, part of our responsibility is to point the way to Christ, not to uh, point the way to ourselves. Anything else on exploring scripture there? I think we, I mean, pretty much, you know, yeah. have to do any other work. We've done it for everybody. <laughs> Amen. So let's dig a little bit deeper. Right. What do you got in this section? Um, so I don't know where we want to go through. I don't know if it's, um, so John has pushed, you know, his disciples to say, look, here's the Lamb of God, right? So that's good. Mm-hmm. And we have this conversation about, you know, who becomes Christ's disciple. Um, and we bring up here that there seems to be different in, in various stories of, of a conversion call, um, when things happen, what actually happened and the, these kinds of things. Um, I don't know if there's a contradiction there. Like, I, I think that, that it's right. I, I've, I've, I've noticed conversion is not, okay, so you had your criminal Presbyterian history and there's this name and place religion. Like, can you name the time and the place where you were converted? And yeah. I don't go with that because I think conversion is a really long thing. It could be a name and place. It for can work. be. But like sure. I use uh, Saul slash Paul's example. His conversion didn't happen on the Damascus Road. His conversion happened when he started studying the the Torah, you know, and then it became really in focus on the Damascus. Um, And so like when, so like if the other gospels have Simon Peter on the boat collecting the fish and, and that's Mm -hmm. the point of conversion here in the, in this setting in John, you have um, in verse 41 of our text says he first found his brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you are called to be Cephas or you are to be called Cephas. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but then Simon could have been like, all right, this guy's crazy and gone along his day. And then a week later or a month later, Jesus yeah. goes in fishing and says, Hey, throw it over on the other side. And then you have that because like our conversion, yeah. it, it takes time. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that can take time. And so that's, yeah. That's it's a process there. Yeah. Yeah. It totally can be a process. And I think that's one way that we can reconcile the two different stories that we get here in John and the one that we get in the gospels is, is understanding that this was a process that Peter was going through, that it wasn't necessarily an immediate thing. The other thing that I really liked about this is the top of page 33 
When Jesus walked by, two of John's disciples turned around and followed Jesus. Yeah, they didn't have. I, I, I love that they didn't have an invitation. It wasn't. It wasn't like what we get in the other gospels, where Jesus is saying, "Come and follow me." It. It is. These two have decided. You know, they were with John, and of course, John was pointing the way. He was the one crying out in the wilderness, pointing the way. And, and Jesus walks by and these two disciples are like, hey, that's the way. And we're and we're going this direction. Um, and I like the whole concept that Jesus didn't necessarily call them first, that they were intrigued enough to follow and to see what Jesus was all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so I've always this these come and see passages or whatever, mm-hmm. which I'm not. Well, OK, I'm going to wait till next because he brings that up. More so in the learning from the scripture section. Okay, you're going to wait until the next section? Yeah, okay. Um, he does. Then. Go ahead. No, keep going if you've got more. Um, I was just looking to see what else I wanted to make sure we highlight. The, the other thing I wanted to point out in here is, is I really liked this phrase where Nathaniel's response oh. when asked by Philip, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And that is a come and see, because Philip does invite him to come and see for himself. But I thought about how often do we do that ourselves? Oh, I do it all. Can anything good come from the other side of town? Can anything good come from, you know, this place or that state or whatever, you know, how often do we say that ourselves? Can anything good come from and, and maybe we just need to, when people, there's, there's still a lot of backlash against Christianity, of course, out in the world, and people are just not interested. So maybe we need to take Philip's example here and just say, come and see it for yourself. Yeah. Come and check it out. Come hang out with me for a while and see what you think. Well, I would say this too. I think maybe... Um... Maybe Nathaniel needed a little humility, depending on how he said it, because like, I would, that's like, true. can anything good come out of you, Nathaniel? Or, but I say that, but sometimes the way, if he was saying it snarkily and yeah. he had his snarkily, nose up the air, is that the official word, snarkily? Good, good enough word, in okay. a snarky <laughs> manner. But if he was saying that because he just had a disdain for, you know, can anything good come from that? If he didn't like Nazarenes. Oh, true. But like you said, like the church might, you know, say, well, they come from that side of the town or that side of the track. Well, what good can come out of you or me? Like, I know me. I'm horrible. But God still calls me and I think can redeem me. Mm -hmm. I think that the answer to the question as we as Christians and pastors and Sunday school teachers in the church is that can anything good come out of anywhere? Yes, if the presence of God is there, <laughs> you know, yes. follow, I think is the answer to that. Yep, I agree. I think that's an excellent point. That's all I had on digging deeper. I really want to dig into these come and see. Well, let me get to the one thing, like, is Nathaniel or Bartholomew the same person? Mm-hmm. Or is it Like, uh, Thomas is only mentioned one time in the other three Gospels, and he's only mentioned, like, three times in John think three or two but there's i mean like unless there's a you know real need for it Uh don't refer to them Uh, there's other disciples that are just mentioned one time or whatnot and so when you get that list um yeah so anyway i just wanted to mention that and then 
why don't you take us to the learning from the scripture section and let's talk about learning from the scripture okay come and see i love how kip started this off come and see that is to me just a profound statement It, it seems very simple but the more i ponder that statement i i'm just Oh gosh, this is really, it's really just getting me worked up. I love this idea of someone being invited to understand and recognize Jesus for themselves. I think what happens, at least in my mind, and I'll say from my own personal experience, is if you didn't experience Christ the way that I experienced Christ and did not have the moments like for me, uh, experiencing God in my everyday life, I find that in the quiet moments of life, um, especially when I'm outside. I grew up in the, out in the middle of Midwest Wisconsin, out in the middle of the country. And when I experienced God, it was in that quiet, just that still breeze that would come through on a beautiful summer afternoon. And this is when I could recognize God the most. But there are some people who experience God in profound ways that all I experience is chaos and noise. Um, And I think what we need to do is just invite people to come and see, to come and see and experience God right where, right where they are, because God speaks to us each individually. I know you love, you love liturgy. Yeah. Liturgy and books. And I don't, I don't need emotion at all. It turns me off a lot of times. Right. Um, yeah, no crayon, people. Art. No crayon. Well, like even in a worship service that is over, overly hyped, I'm not connected. Right. I mean, I am to an extent because the presence of God is there, but it, I, I got to work for it a little bit more. Whereas, mm-hmm. like somebody, like I can, I am, I am connected when I am hearing someone read from the liturgy. I sure. don't know why. Where somebody else would have to really work to be fed from that, right? So, I mean, you sure. know, it is what it is on that one. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, John was laying the groundwork for these disciples. And then Jesus came along and you have this invitation to just come and see. I think that's what I was really getting from learning from scripture. Um, yeah. And then I'll say, I guess also uh, to this would be um, the come and see part. I mean, like you have to have an experience, like you can't just assent to the doctrine of Christianity. That's not the goal of it. The goal is to experience a relationship to God through Jesus Christ. And so that has to happen. And, Mm -hmm. and I know that like, if we're not careful, we'll, we're okay with an, with a altar call and someone comes down and says a prayer, but never follow up to see if there has been an experience. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I can say like, when I explain my conversion experience, like I do assent to the the assumption or the you know position of the gospel jesus christ rose again but there was something that happened that i've been connected with christ that i can't explain and when i talk to people and 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 i and i like my children or whoever and and they ask me about my faith i I always get back to the mystery of it makes sense to me but something else happened like i experienced something and i don't know what to tell you and i hope you experience it right like sure um, I, I get that. Yeah. Because there is some m- mystery, some profound mystery that 
that you experienced in that in that moment in that time that you can't put into words that you and can't ongoing. explain to other people and it's ongoing it's not a one-time yeah. one no and if no. It, and, and so um and, and then the last thing that i like i'm not the, i'm not a typical evangelist i'm not gonna carry my soapbox around with me and get up whenever i can and i'm not but like i am big on saying hey come and see and and like sam's club you ever gone to sam's club when they have all the Thank God they're back to doing it now. COVID can't <laughs> stop the samples. Uh, but I can't tell you how that, many things yeah. right? I can't tell you how many things I bought simply because they've had it out there. Sure. And I'm like, oh, that's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and see, yeah. right? Like experience it. Don't yes. And, and that's how that works. And so um that should that should be the thrust also of our Christian education. Like when you live amongst people and to see, does this work? Is it good? Is it right? Are these people, you know. We it's a participatory thing. It's not passive. It is all about building relationships. You said that earlier, that it's about coming and see what this relationship with Christ is. And it's all about relationship. It's all it's it's not just sitting in the pew. It's not just coming into the church building on Sunday morning. It is having that relationship with Christ that transforms and changes us in ways that we can't explain. And don't understand in this beautiful and amazing way. But it's also about building a relationship with those people around you. Yeah. It's about building a relationship, whether it's your youth group, whether it's your Sunday school class, whether it's just your, if you have a small congregation and it's just your church people, it's about that relationship. And I think that's one thing I was talking to somebody else this morning. It's one thing we were talking about through the pandemic. The thing that we missed the most was this fellowship was this time to be together, to enjoy each other's company, to sit down and have conversations about what did you have for dinner last night and how's Aunt Susie doing and Uncle Bob and whatever. You know, you have you have all of this beautiful relationship building time that that is an opportunity to invite people to come and see what Jesus is about because it's about relationships. It's about building that bond together across across time and space understanding who christ is and how he works in our lives so come come, come and see um uh, come and see so then the last thing i'll say on this is, is i really love the way kip brought up this one uh um uh, story about um a person who was afraid and they called their pastor and said uh you know i'm I want to get baptized. I want to do this. And, and, and anyway, I, I've never been like, I've used this as an example. When I was a youngin, the Baptists were really good at the bait and switch, you know, pizza party, but then you're going to go to hell with the book of revelation. And, and I can't say that that's deeply effective. I don't think that's a very good motivator fear. I don't think it's a motivator, a good motivator, but it is a motivator. Um, and so um, I don't think one should use manipulation but certain circumstances in life will bring you to a to an to a place to. I don't know how a relationship starts, but always be looking and, and offering Christ to people, whatever situation they're in, and the Holy Spirit can build people up. To oh yeah. Need to be so. That's yeah. A good, that's a good illustration. Come and see. It's part of coming and seeing. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I love how. As you said, it was it was maybe the beginning of this relationship, but that this relationship 
became deeper and more profound as time went on and as Bob understood who he was and his life as a child of God and then became more active again working on and building upon the the building blocks yeah I will say the denomination that I grew up in uh, I was just I was terrified of burning in hell <laughs> as a kid I was absolutely terrified of burning in hell um, and and thank goodness that God keeps walking me through and and showing me really awesome things there was uh, to some fear I mean like you right. fear your parents when they sure. belt out but you love yeah. them and so that that is that same same yeah so that kind of leads us into our discussion question for the week yeah uh would you follow jesus without question today not as you are now but if you were one of the disciples or let's just say if you were searching if so what would convince you that it was the right choice if not what would hinder you uh, how big of a role do you think uh do you think you play in this christian faith have you ever invited someone just to come and see? Um, yes, and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, we're all, we all search. I mean, we might end up finding, but we're all searchers. It's part of humanity. Yeah. The convince me to, that it's right is that I had an experience. They think I, I came and I saw and I tasted mm-hmm. it was good. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that hinders me, I've said this before, it's, you know, change, giving yeah. up some things that I know that I probably would rather not give up. And then also what other people would think of me. Yes. That's me. Yeah. I think that the big thing that would hinder me is just what people would think about me. I think that's been a huge struggle my whole life. And it continues to be a struggle of whether or not you're part of the in crowd. (laughs) You know, you know, and I mean, think about the disciples and what they endured socially from following Jesus and the ridicule and probably some questioning from well-meaning family members who are like, what are you doing? This is not good for you. This is not good for our family. Um, And I'm sure you've met people along in your walk that have had similar experience that when um, they came and saw and followed Christ, that there were some family members that gave them a whole lot of pushback because they chose to walk this path yeah 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 so how do we apply this to our life um so when it comes to discipleship i like what kip brings up um i mean when we're baptized we all then begin our journey of finding our role and our purposes and our places in the christian faith and i've always tried to explain to people purpose isn't about importance or neither is position about power in the sense of some people are called to be pastors but that's not a privilege that's a place that's a position to serve and if if things are well you're like john the baptist you've been called to a a ministry and then that's just your place and and your success or your failures are based on your obedience to that not on the not on anything else and so a sunday school teacher an elder a janitor uh, you know, whatever, we're all in the same boat. We got that same purpose. And, and the purpose is simply to do our, the will of God in Jesus Christ and inviting mm-hmm. people to come and see and be a part. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's, so, that's so important. That ties back to what you said before, that 
you have churches that you have people that come in and flock and follow a certain pastor. Um, and it's, and it's not about that position. Right. It's not about the perceived power that goes with that position. It is about pointing the way to Christ. And, and it's, it is just the place that we have been called to, but everyone has a unique purpose. Everyone has a unique something that God has called them to, that they are gifted with, that they have an ability for. And it's when all of these gifts are working in conjunction, like Paul tells us that we're all part of the same body. We all may be different parts of that body, but we're all part of that same body. That when we work together, that we continue to move forward and walk and can do all the amazing things that a body can do when they're all playing their purpose according to God's will. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, it, it's terribly important. Um, the other thing that uh, I'll bring up, it's just at the bottom of page 36, really, uh, the last two paragraphs. You know, when Nathaniel asked that question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like when you're evangelizing or when you're sharing the gospel or your faith, there's going to be things that you don't know. And I, and I think there's a there's the reason for the come and see. Like I hope to the Lord Almighty that somebody's salvation is not up to my reasoning ability with them, <laughs> my power of persuasion. But it is up to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the Holy Spirit can answer the questions. I mean, yeah. you can... I mean, study to show thyself approved, scripture mm-hmm. says. There's no excuse in being ignorant, but to an extent, you don't know all the answers either. And that is are quite okay because you can be like, well, I don't know, come and see. You know, let's, yeah, let's exactly. I always joke with my kids that the older I've got, the dumber I've got. Because mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s, of course, I had all the answers. You just needed to ask me and I would tell you. It took you to but the older. I got there at 16. What's wrong with you? Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm a slow learner. I don't know. <laughs> But now that, you know, once I reached my 40s, I understood I don't have to have an answer for everything. And it's better if I don't because I'm still learning. I'm still trying to understand. And and that's, yeah, maybe it took me a little longer than others, Chris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I made it eventually. I made it eventually. So don't be afraid to say, I don't know, because that's what I say now all the time. I don't know. But let's learn, let's learn together. And I think that's part of the coming and seeing. That's part of that invitation is that you don't have to do this on your own. And maybe I don't have the answers, but I'm here with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to share with you. I'm going to learn with you so that we can get an answer together. And that's part of, part of that invitation is being able to walk with somebody and say, let's figure this out. Yep. And then come and see. It's not all up to us. The Holy Spirit works, and that's the best teacher. Yes. Holy Spirit does a whole lot of work, (laughs) a whole lot of work. And I hope you take time to look at those reflection questions, because the reflection questions at the end of this is, um, they're quite amazing. Yeah, good lesson. Because that's part of that purpose, is trying to figure out what your purpose is. What is your place? got a window coming in that's uh, I'm like ah I see gosh yeah. yeah you got you got the halo going on I do. it's amazing yeah. <laughs> all right well that's, that's a good place to end our time with your halo <laughs> it shines all the time and I'll let it shine 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 um that's all I got that's all I've got for today
All right. Well, since you've done the work, I'll give the best and may the peace of, or may the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the peace of Christ be with you all. And we'll see you next week.